You guys can be seated. Sometimes you just got to trust. Amen? You know, if we served a God that we knew everything about, we would serve a God that was really too small to worship. Our God is a big God. And we can never understand all that He knows. And so sometimes we just have to, as a song we just sang goes, just trust in Him, right? And that has a lot to do with our series that we're in right now. We began two weeks ago this series on tough topics. And what we're doing in this series, if you're just coming in, uh, in this series, we're looking at some things that can really shake up and rattle our faith, even to the point to where oftentimes as Christians we're tempted to walk away from the church and even walk away from God. And so in our first week, we talked about something that you hear a lot about today. Now, it's been given this term, uh, but really it's been around for a really long time, but the, the term is relatively new, and that is church hurt. And after that lesson, I had so many of you who came up to me and said, yes, I've been affected by this. There have been times when, when I've been a part of church hurt, and it really rattled my faith. Then last week, we talked about hypocrisy in the church. So oftentimes, especially today, you hear people say, yeah, I don't go to church because there are too many hypocrites there. And, and again, last week after the lesson, I had so many of you come up to me and say, man, I can relate to that lesson. This is something that I have really, really struggled with, something that has really hit my faith hard over the years. And, and so I'm really glad that this series is relevant and it's helping you. And, and I just pray that you guys will use this, this series to really strengthen your faith. Now, if you missed any of those lessons, just know we have a web page, we have a Facebook page, we have a church podcast, and you can go back and you can list any of the lessons that you may have missed. But today, we're probably going to be dealing with the toughest topic of all, and that is the problem of evil. And suffering. We're going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 16. And this is what Solomon writes. He says, I also saw this here on earth where there should have been justice, there was what? Evil. There was evil. Where there should have been right, there was what? Wrong. There was wrong. Listen, every day. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It, it doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your economic level or status is. Listen, every day, okay, life sends us all the same message, and that is this, something is wrong. And you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You can look around at the world today. You can get on social media. You can watch the news and, and I guarantee you, in your mind, you're already thinking, man, something is wrong. This is absolutely messed up. And so, oftentimes, the greatest challenge to faith is not science, it's history. In other words, 
how do we handle how the world has been and how do we handle how the world continues to be so broken, so much pain, so much suffering, so much evil, and, and yet reconcile that with God? Because our God is good. And our guide is in charge, and so that raises the question, then why does so much of this stuff exist? Why is there so much suffering? Why is there so much evil in the world today? And a lot of people ask that question just from an intellectual level. And in other words, it hasn't touched them personally. Personally, but you know, they've seen the news, they've seen what's been going on uh, around them, and, and so, you know, on an intellectual le level, they just want to know why, why, why is all this bad stuff happening today? But for some, they've been touched by this personally, for some, they've lived some of this stuff personally. And their faith, because of it, has taken a hit. Several years ago, I got to witness this firsthand. I was talking to a lady who was really struggling with her faith. And, and one of the things that was really bothering her was there was a storm and a tree fell on her house. And her husband had just passed away. And so she turns to her son for help, and her, her son says, I'll find someone to help, you know, remove the tree and get everything cleaned up. And so he found someone, and the guy said, yeah, I can do it, but he says, I've got to have the money up front. And so she pays him the money up front, and the guy runs. He doesn't do the work. Well, she ends up tracking the guy down. She ends up taking him to court, but she couldn't afford a lawyer, but the guy uh, she took to court could afford a lawyer, and so in the end, guess who won out? He did. The guy who took the money and ran. And, and she was like scratching her head, going, how do you make sense of this? I mean, how, how is he getting away with this injustice? Several years ago when I lived in Alabama, there was a lady who was like my, my grandmother. I mean, she was just so precious to me. And her son was a preacher. And one day he was on his way back home from somewhere. I can't remember where he was coming back from, but a drunk driver hit him and killed him. She was devastated. And it's like, how do you make sense of that? I mean, this, this was a, a Christian guy. He, he was a minister. He was, he was out and about doing, serving the, the Lord. How, how, do you, how do you make sense of that? Also, several years ago when I was preaching in Alabama, there was a, a couple, and they had just had a new baby, and she had made a pallet on the floor, and she placed the baby on the floor, and then she went to check on her son, who was just a toddler, and when she came back from checking on him, the little baby, for the first time, had rolled over and suffocated. And she found her baby dead. And I had to preach that funeral, and it was one of the hardest funerals that I've ever had 
to preach. I mean, I had no clue how to stand up and make sense of all that to family and friends. Just this year, back in January, a 17-year-old boy walks into a school in Iowa and shoots a sixth grader and kills him and wounds and injures several others. And it's like, how do you, how do you make sense of that? Right? I mean, there, there's all these things as we look around at the, the world today, sex trafficking. I think sex trafficking today is, is really on the forefront of our mind thanks to a movie that came out this past year, The Sound of Freedom. I think there was a lot of stuff going on that we didn't even realize, that we didn't even know that was happening. And, and, and so anyway, a lot of people were talking about sex trafficking. And so this week, I just looked up some of the statistics. Listen to this. Human sex trafficking is a $150 billion industry. That's how much of it's going on. Where you have children who are, being, who are being sold as slaves, sex slaves. And you say, well, yeah, you know, I, I, I can see how that's going on in other countries. No, in, in this same statistic uh, that I was looking at, it says that child sex trafficking has been reported in all 50 states right here in America. Our children. And it's like, how, how, do you, how do you make sense of that? I mean, you look around at all that's going on in the world. You have war. You have slavery. You have racism. Um, you have innocent people who are being murdered and killed. And, and again, man, all the children that are, that are suffering, whether it's from poverty, not having enough food, are, are being sold into... Slavery, sex trafficking. How do you make sense of all that? And if you're thinking that the best way to resolve this question is to get rid of the church and God, or to just say there is no God, allow me this morning to push back gently. First of all, you can say, I don't believe in God anymore, but here's the deal, the problem of evil is not going to stop. It's going to continue to exist. It's still going to bother you because deep down inside all of us, there's something that says the world shouldn't be this way. And the question is, why? That, that's what, that's what C.S. Lewis, you know, he began to ask himself, where, where does this come from? And, and some of you know C.S. Lewis as, as a, a famous Christian author, but before he became a Christian, he didn't believe in God because of the problem with evil and suffering. Because the world appears to be so messed up, but then he began to think, well, why do I think the world is so messed up. I mean, how do you know what crooked is if you don't know what straight is? And so he began to say, I do believe the world should be just and better than it is, but where does that come from? And in the very act of trying to prove that God didn't exist, he actually proved to himself that God does exist.
Because you see, here's the reality. The problem of pain and suffering, while it's caused some believers to reject the faith, it's caused some unbelievers to come to the faith. Because as soon as we say that the world is not what it ought to be, we have inferred that there is a higher standard of virtue and goodness that we, have been, that we should be striving for, but we have missed. And so the problem of evil is not an argument against God. It's an argument for God. The reason that there is a problem is because we believe there is a God. And, and the problem with believing that there is a God is we know that God to be good. And we know that God to be all-powerful. And, and so that, that causes us to ask the question, then how can the world be so messed up? And listen, if you wrestle with that question, just know you're not the only one. There are people in the Bible who wrestled with that question. If God is good, if God is in charge and all-powerful, then why, why is the world the way it is? In fact, look at Habakkuk, prophet of God. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, this is what he asked God. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed. There is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outweigh the righteous so that, the justice, so that justice has become perverted. Notice Habakkuk is complaining to God. He said, God, why is the world so messed up? Don't you see all the evil that's taking place in our world? And, and why are you allowing all of this stuff to happen? And he wasn't the only one that wrestled with this. I mean, we can look to Jeremiah. We can look at many of the Psalms. We can look at Job, right? I mean, the whole book of Job is, is really dealing with the exact same thing. And that is, we believe in God. But we have a problem with you, God. And that is, why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? We're going to talk about that this morning. I want to share a, a few things with you that I hope you'll think about and, and wrestle with and entertain this morning. First of all, one of the reasons evil exists is because freedom exists. Now, let me explain. We all understand that the ability to reject as well as accept is essential to the development of any authentic relationship. In other words, if you and I are going to be true friends, then we have to be free to choose whether or not we're going to invest in each other's lives, right? In a similar sense, God can't have a relationship with us without giving us the freedom to love Him, 
or not love him. And so God dignified us with that freedom. But here's the thing. It comes with a warning that our choices would have consequences. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 8, Paul talks about this. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Which really raises another question. Then why did God even make us if He knew that we were going to make bad choices and mess everything up? And you know, if you get into Scripture, I, I don't know of anywhere, maybe, maybe you can point this out to me, but I don't know of anywhere in Scripture where we are for certain told why God decided to create us. I mean, maybe it's there, and, and I, I haven't found it, but, but I haven't seen anything specific to where God said, I created you for this, this reason. And even the psalmist, he struggled with this, right? Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 through 5, he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set into place, listen to what he says. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for, for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Do you hear what the psalmist is asking? God, why are you so mindful of us? God, why do you care about us as human beings? And the Bible really doesn't tell us, but here's a guess. It's not because God was empty and lacking something. Because God is perfect and He is sufficient in Himself. The book of Acts talks about this in Acts 17 verse 25. Human hands can't serve, talking about God, can't serve His needs. For He, what church? He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything and He satisfies every single need. And so it's not that God lacked something. But here's a guess. God created us just because God is pure love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And by definition, love has to express itself. Love has to, to share itself. And, and those of you who are parents, you understand that. That's why we became parents. But here's the thing. Love always comes with a risk, and God knew that. God knew that by creating mankind out of His love that He was taking a risk that mankind would turn their backs on Him. You see, in order to create a world without evil, God would have to have kids without freedom. 
Now, are we going to get upset at that? Or are we going to get mad at God because he didn't make us as puppets to where we dance and we move at, at the pull of his strings? I hope not. We should be rejoicing and feel blessed by the freedom that God has given us. But, but here's the deal. If you have a world where people are free to choose, you must also have a world where people are going to choose poorly and sin and create evil. I think probably most of you will agree that the overwhelmingly majority of the evil in this world is because of our bad choices. Right? War. Racism. Sex trafficking. Poverty. Divorce. These are things that all come from our choices and, and our decision. And, and, and here's the deal. Our choices to turn our back on God has also affected the creation that he made for us to live in. We talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. Listen, God made a beautiful world that was perfect for us to live in. But watch what happens because of the curse of sin. Romans chapter 8, 20 through 22, against this will, what church? All creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers, we also groan too. We also suffer, right? Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste future glory, for we long for our bodies so that we can be released from sin and suffering. Listen, this world is full of intentional evil and random Evil and, and here's the deal. God did not create this type of world. We did. This is the result of the curse of sin. And, and so God may allow the pain. And God may allow the suffering in our world. But, but here's the thing that we need to understand. God feels that pain too. In fact, if you go back to the book of Genesis, when everything began very early on, mankind began to turn their backs on God. And look at what it says. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally white church. Evil. So the Lord was sorry that He had ever made them, and He put them on the earth, and it what? And it broke His heart. Did you know that? Did you know that evil breaks God's heart? Why? Because He didn't want this. And so if you keep reading, God sends a flood to wipe out and destroy all evil in the world to, to get rid of it. All he needed was just one family to start over, and he did. And then just like that, guess what? The world was full of evil again. Because free moral agents keep turning their backs on God. 
Here's something else we need to understand. The problem of evil isn't just around us. It is within us. James talks about this in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. He says, what's causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the what? Evil desires at war within you. You want, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yeah, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all, are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. How many of you have ever thought, why doesn't God just get rid of all the evil in the world? Because guess what? There wouldn't be anyone left. That includes you and me. Listen, I don't want to downplay your pain this morning. Some of you, I know, are dealing with some intentional evil that's been done to you. Some of you have just been a part of, of random evil because we live in a broken world. And, and I'm not saying it's your fault and I'm not trying to give you an intellectual argument to help the pain go away. But what I am trying to do this morning is to give you a different perspective. To give you a different set of lenses to look through. In fact, let me share some good news with you this morning. Even though God didn't create the problem of evil, it's a problem that He intends to resolve. Listen, God created everything out of love, but He forces no one to love Him. God gives every one of us the freedom to choose. And, and God honors our freedom by honoring the consequences of our choices. And so God doesn't accept the blame for the evil in the world, but He does accept the responsibility of allowing it to continue. And that's important to remember because some people get mad at God because of a promise God never made. So oftentimes, people get into their head that bad things shouldn't happen to good people. And that's where they really began to struggle in their faith is, is when bad, bad times come. And, and we all experience those times. But I want you to think about this. When did God ever make that promise? When did he ever say, if you are a Christian, if you are a good person, you will never suffer and you will never experience any type of evil in this world? Think about this. The entire Christian faith was birthed out of an, out of an event that was the worst thing that could ever happen to the best person who ever lived. And I'm talking about Jesus. If you want to know what God promised, look at John chapter 16, verse 33. In this world, you will what? You will have troubles. That's the promise. 
And, and let me tell you something. The first century Christians, man, they understood this like no one did. You Listen, I, I don't want to downplay what you may be going through right now, but let me tell you something. The first century Christians, they suffered. Some of them suffered tremendously. And they expected that. They didn't walk around with this mindset that, that bad things don't happen to good people. No, they expected it. And that's what they found in the world. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 36 through 37, man, this is so sobering to me. Talking about those first century Christians, some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. This one makes me cringe. Some were sawn in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Listen, the Christian faith wouldn't have survived if the first century Christians would have had such a fragile faith that they believed that bad things didn't happen to good people. They expected suffering, and, and their faith rose above the suffering. Why? Because they remembered the second half of Jesus' promise. John 16, verse 33 again, In this world you will have trouble, but listen to what he promises. Take heart. He says, I've overcome the world. You see, they believe that God reigns over evil. And He can bring about good, even out of evil and suffering. In fact, you may want to fill this in on your outline this morning. What God does not cause, He can still use. I don't know what you're going through right now, but just know God can use that for good. Here's another one. God allowed what... What God allows can still serve His purposes even when we don't understand. Listen, even though you may not see it, God is still at work. Even though you may not understand why this is, is happening and, and that there could possibly be a reason for it, there is. And God knows Let me give you a biblical example of this. It's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. His name's Joseph. His story is found in the book of Genesis. Really, his story takes up the majority of the book of Genesis. Joseph's the guy that we know as the one who had the coat of many colors. And, and here's the, the thing. Uh, Joseph's brothers take him and they sell him into slavery. Can you imagine that? When your, your siblings selling you into slavery, some of you are like, yeah, I can. But his brothers sold him into slavery because they were jealous of him. And while he was in slavery, he was falsely accused of rape and he was thrown into prison. Actually, it was Potiphar's wife, the one who accused him of rape, who was chasing him around. But she falsely accused him. He ends up prison. He ends up helping one of the prisoners that were in prison. And guess what? That, that prisoner gets out and basically he betrays him because he, he forgets about Joseph. 
And he doesn't tell Pharaoh about any of the, the dreams that Joseph had interpreted for him. And man, as you look at the story of, of Joseph, this, this good guy, right, who, who, you know, has a strong faith in God. It's just one series of, of evil events after another. And, and finally, you get towards the end of the story. And now God has taken him from prison, and he has made him second in command under Pharaoh over all of Egypt. And guess who he's reunited with? His brothers who sold him in into slavery. And I want you to listen to what Joseph says to his brothers. Genesis 50, 19 through 20, Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. They were terrified. They thought, man, he was going to he was going to lash out and, you know, pour out his wrath on them. But he says, don't, don't be afraid. He says, can I do what only God can do? You meant to hurt me, but God turned your what? evil into good to save the lives of many people, which is being done. Kind of reminds me of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where Paul says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. Now, does it say that all things are good? No, it says God works for the good in all things. That's good things and bad things. God works for the good of those who love Him, who have called, been called according to His purpose. And so listen to me this morning. When hard times come, don't let the enemy hijack your faith. Don't let the enemy turn you away from the very one who can comfort you and see you through those hard times. Listen, it's through suffering that many people actually find God. And it's through suffering that many people turn back to God. And I witnessed that firsthand with the, the family that I was telling you about in the beginning that lost that, that little baby. I didn't tell you this in the beginning, but... The, the mother, she had left the church a long time ago before that ever happened because she had been a part of church hurt. There had been a terrible split at her church and she basically just said, forget the church, forget you God, and she just walked away, never intending to go back. And her, her husband, well, he wasn't a believer at all. And then when they lost that little baby... They were broken, and the only place they could turn for healing was to God and the love of the church. And what ends up happening, to make a long story short, is the mother, she rededicated her life to Christ. And the father started attending worship with her, and he eventually gave his life to Christ. And if you were to talk to her today, because I've had this conversation with her several times, she will tell you that that little baby was sent to them to save them. And you won't convince her otherwise. You see, suffering can be redemptive and bring glory to God. Now, hear me out this morning. I can't explain 
why all things evil? Why all the, the suffering in the, in the world happens? I mean, evil is just unexplainable, really. But, but here's the deal. God understands. God knows. And, and God, out of His love, sent His Son to this earth to live the perfect life and to die on the cross for our poor choices and the poor decisions, the evil decisions that you and I make. And the question is, are you willing to put your faith and a trust in that God? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I can say this morning that God loves you. And He loves me. And He's rooting for us. And He's got big plans for us. In fact, whenever someone tells me they're, they're going through something really hard, I, I like to tell them, man, God must be doing something really big in you right now. Because even when we can't see it, and even when we don't understand, God's at work. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for being such an amazing God. We're so glad that we could come and worship you today. Father, I, I know that there are times when we struggle in our faith and maybe we even begin to doubt because of hardships, whether it has to do with something within the church or, or just everyday life. It can shake our faith and cause us to doubt and, and to really struggle spiritually. And if there's someone watching online today or if there's someone who's in the audience today who's found themselves in that situation right now, Father, I just pray that you'll comfort them. Pray that you'll give them peace. Pray that you will be present in whatever they're going through and just help them to see what an amazing God you really are. Father, we are so grateful for the greatest gift that you've ever given us, which was your Son, who came and died for our sins and our poor choices so that one day we could be with you for all eternity. And Father, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing greater that this world has to offer that's even close to that. Father, you paid the ultimate sacrifice. You went through the ultimate pain of seeing your children turn their back on you and then seeing your own son down the cross. Thank you for your love. And Father, we just want you to know how much we love you. Help us to love you more. We're that dependent upon you. And Father, I just pray that if there's someone here this morning who's hurting or struggling in their faith and they need prayers or, or they need help in, in any manner, Father, pray that you'll just open their heart and pray that you'll give them healing this morning. And we just pray all these things in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. If there's someone who needs to respond today, if you need to give your life to Jesus, putting on Christ in baptism, 
having all your sins washed away, or if there's someone here today that's, that's struggling in some way, and you, you just need prayers, prayers for your faith, prayers for your spiritual walk with God. Uh, if it's something more of a private matter and you'd like to leave it up here on the cross, our elders and myself will pray over those things for you throughout the, the week. But if you have a need, won't you come together we stand and sing?